Hello, we're here today in Riverside, part of sunny Southern California. When you think of Southern California, one thinks naturally of movie stars, swimming pools, and palm trees. Well, we're facing a future right now of a Southern California full of swimming pools, movie stars, and dead palm trees crawling with beetles. It's because we're suffering right now from an invasion of palm weevils that are attacking and killing palm trees all over San Diego. And to talk about how UC Riverside is helping to combat this invasion, uh, we've enlisted an army of insect experts. I'm Jules Bernstein. I am a spokesperson for UCR. I'm here today with Mr. Doug Yanaga. Doug, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Doug Yanaga. I'm the collection manager here at UC Riverside, um, and does the insect uh, collection. So I'm with the Department of Entomology, and we have one of the biggest collections in the country, which most people don't know about because it's a research collection and not really set up for public viewing and such. So it's a lot more like a library than most people would expect um, from when they hear the term like natural history museum. So it's got over four million specimens. So it's a big it's a big collection. If someone really, really wanted to come in and look at four thousand dead bugs or four million dead bugs, excuse me, uh, could they come do that? Um, it's not really set up that way. Uh, depends on what their what their goal is and stuff. For if you're a visiting researcher, then it is definitely for you because, it's, like I said, it's just like going to a library for reference material. Um, but most people don't go to libraries just to look at displays of books. <laughs> so we don't have displays of our research material. They're all filed away in cabinets, not really set up for viewing. Okay, and so um, along with the keeper of the secret stash of insects, we have Dr. Mark Hoddle. Mark, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, my name's Mark Hoddle. Um, I'm an extension specialist in biological control. Like Doug, I'm also in the Department of Entomology at UC Riverside. So we're here today to talk about palm weevils. Yeah, that's right. So this is a pretty important pest that's uh, ripping up the palm trees down in San Diego County, probably established in the southern part of the state around 2014, something like that. But I got a call from a friend in Tijuana in 2010. He said, hey, you know, our palm trees are dying down here. You know, what, what's, what's going on? So I said, Christabel, I'll come down and have a look. But you know what? At that time, we were also dealing with dead palm trees in Laguna Beach. And we found that they were being killed by a palm weevil too. But that palm weevil was black, had a red stripe. And Christabel thought the red stripe palm weevil, which we found out had come from Indonesia, had actually got down to Tijuana and was killing those palms. So we went down, had a look, pulled some out of the tree. They were black. They didn't have a red stripe on them. So we had two palm weevil invasions going on in California at the same time. So the South American palm weevil, the black one that we found in the dead palm trees in Tijuana, had been first introduced or found down at the very southern tip of the Baja Peninsula in about 2000. It took about 10 years or so for it to work its way up to Tijuana. Then it just basically flew over the border and established in palms in San Isidro. So dealing with the South American palm weevil, we pretty much let that one go because we didn't have the resources to fight two palm weevil invasions at once. We successfully eradicated the red striped one that was in Laguna Beach, but you know, while all our efforts were going into that, South American palm weevil established in San Diego County, and it's probably killed more than 20,000 palm trees now, and it's spread up as far north as La Jolla and as far east as El Cajon. 
What does a palm weevil look like for people listening in? Oh, right. So, yeah, these are this insect now is California's biggest bug, biggest beetle, biggest weevil. So it's about, I don't know, an inch and a half in size, maybe up to two inches, depending if you found a really big male. Jet black, very good flyers. Actually, you can hear them flying around. And when they come to you, they're so slow, sometimes you can snatch them out of the air with your hands or smack them down to the ground and then pick them up. Other people get freaked out as they, <laughs> as they fly around. They look like little hummingbirds. <laughs> They're getting too close to you. The hummingbirds, so do they have like a beak? Actually, these weevils do. They're long-snouted weevils. So, yeah, we call that beak a rostrum or a snout, a nose. And the females use that to chew holes into the top of the palm tree. Once she's drilled those holes into the palm, she lays her eggs in there. The males also have long snouts, and the tops of their snouts are covered with these dense seti, which we think are used for uh, probably the detection of volatile odours. The females lack that CD, so they don't have these stiff bristles sitting on the top of their noses. Their snouts are really smooth. Males have like these bristles sticking up on the top of their noses. And so what is it? So they start eating the tree itself? Yeah, so what happens after the females lay their eggs into those holes? Those eggs hatch, and we end up with these small grubs, which we call larvae, they drill into the center of the palm and they start feeding on the palm heart. This is the meristematic area or the growing part of the palm tree at the very top of the palm. And those grubs can grow quite big, maybe up to three inches or more in length, quite fat. And it's that feeding destruction on the inside of the palm tree at the very top that kills the palm. Because palms, unlike a lot of trees, you know, if you cut your tree, say like a eucalyptus, for example, you cut it off at the bottom, it'll sprout again. But once palms have killed at the top, they can't sprout. So it's pretty much dead at the top. And then you have these big trunks, some of which may be 60 feet tall. And they look pretty ugly because all the leaves die. And they look like giant brown mushrooms in the landscape. And there's thousands of them in San Diego County now. How fast do they reproduce? So we think they can probably have about two generations a year. Probably takes about three, four months, five months to kill a tree. Two generations a year. How, how many are born in each generation? Yeah, so these females can lay a lot of eggs. So one female can probably lay, lend, lay tens of eggs over her lifetime, maybe to the low hundreds. But often you end up with more than one female in a tree. So if you've got a dozen or more of them in there and they're all laying lots and lots of eggs, these incubator trees can produce hundreds of weevils that then fly out of them looking for more palm trees to attack and kill. And the, and the generation takes how long to repeat itself yeah, again? Yeah, several months. So every few months there's hundreds more of them. That's right. So just giving you an example, we've been trapping in around an area called Rancho Santa Fe for the last couple of months. And we go out and check our traps every month. We've been catching somewhere between 700 and 900 weevils a month in those traps. That gives you an idea of the weevil pressure. It's enormous right now. So it's not surprising that palm mortality rates are extremely high. How high are they? So we've followed the fates of about 550 palms over a six-year period. And within that time, about 75% of those healthy palms were killed by the weevils. So um, so Doug and, and Mark, could you help me understand, if I'm, if I'm a random person listening in Riverside or L.A. Or, or San Diego hearing this, why would I worry about palm weevils? Well, <laughs> for one thing... Think of where you're, where you're living. You're living in places like Palm Springs and, you know, Palm Desert. 
you imagine those areas with no palm trees at all. That's literally what we're talking about, um, the future holding, you know, like Mark just said, you know, within a matter of a pretty short time span, if you have 75% of your palm trees killed, that's way faster than the palm trees can be regrown and replanted. Um, we're talking about, you know, wiping out all of the palm trees in Southern California. That's a, you know, population that's in the millions, and that's entirely possible that we could lose that if we don't get on top of this weevil infestation. Uh, that's that's something that everybody in the area should be concerned with. I mean, just whether you own a palm tree or not, it should still, I think it should still bother you if, if you think about Southern California with no palm trees in it. And then there's, on top of that, we have an actual industry, you know, the date palm industry in, in the Coachella Valley and around Indio. That's, you know, that's got to be worth millions of dollars. There's there's a big economic problem there um, if the weevils show up there and get established. So we've got something that people need to know about, and it's not getting very much attention at this point in time. Um, and it's not like it's just happened. This has been going on for you know, close to a decade now that it's really been obvious that this is something that we need to contend with. And it's a, sort of a shame that it hasn't gotten much attention up to this point. Yes, I'll just follow up on Doug's point about the date industry out in the Coachella Valley. It's worth about $120 million a year, employs about 4,000 people. So it's an important employer of folks in an area of Southern California where job opportunities are pretty limited. There's also one other concern for us, and those are our native Washingtonia filifera palms, our native fan palms out in the desert oases. Who's going to protect those from the weevils? Those are stunning natural resources that we have out in the desert, and I'm very concerned about the weevil getting out there and possibly killing those native fan palms. I wonder in some areas of Southern California where it's super hot if palm trees are the only shade that people get. Yeah, that's definitely a good point too. So we've worked on a related weevil in Saudi Arabia where the date palm is grown everywhere and it has high cultural religious significance and it's obviously a very important economic plant. And like you said, they form date palm oases and people live within them. So they live in the shade of those trees and they harvest the fruit. And you guys talked about the, the a native palm and you talked about date palms. Are are all palms at risk from these weevils, or which palms are at risk? Yeah, so the weevil, def at this stage, the weevil definitely has a preference for what we call the Canary Island date palm. This is a really common palm in the urban landscape. It's often pruned at the top to look like a pineapple, and then has the fronds like shooting out the very center of it. It loves those palms, no doubt about it. But it will also attack about at least 10 other species of palms, but not at the same rate. So. It really likes attacking these uh, Chilean wine palms, which are a, a very slow-growing, very expensive palm to buy and maintain. It likes um, these Bismarckia palms as well. It's killed a bunch of um, um, Phoenix Phoenix palms from Phoenix palm species from Africa, and it's also taken out some of the uh, Washingtonia robusta species, which is native to Mexico. So one of the things that's been really fascinating about this for us is that the Balboa Park in San Diego has enormous plantings of lots of different species of palms that have been collected from around the world. We have a giant natural history experiment going on out there right now, and the palm weevil is finding palm species it's never seen before. And it's now showing us which of those new encounters are going to prove deadly to those palms. So we've been following mortality rates for different palm species at Balboa Park. And... 
for those of the, if there happens to be a listener who's never heard the word mortality rate, does that mean death rate? Ah, yes, sorry, that's right. Yes, you consider that the death rate, the rate at which they die after the weevils get stuck into them. What is it? Can can you actually hear them eating? What does it sound like when they're eating? Yeah, so um, the larval form, when it, it has a, it's, it, its body is long and soft, but its head is like a giant eating, chewing machine with big hard mandibles, and it makes a crunching sound when it's getting into the palm fibres. And the adults, when they're walking around in the lab, we have them in plastic containers, they have claws on the ends of their feet, we call these tarsi, very sharp, and you can hear them scuttling on the plastic. Could could somebody walking by an infected tree hear it? No, not easily, because they might be 30, 40, 50 feet above you. But there is special listening equipment you can buy that you can put against the palm tree. And then there are computer algorithms which will screen out all the miscellaneous noise, you know, like rats up in the top of the palm squeaking, all the leaves blowing around and the breezes making noises. And once you've tuned all that stuff out, you can hear the weevil larvae chewing away at the top of the palm. Lovely. Yeah. And it's a good munchy, munchy, munchy kind of noise. I mean, it you know, it's somebody having their breakfast, crunching their bowl of cereal, uh, once you've got all the other stuff filtered out. And is there also a distinctive smell to them? Yes. The odor of an infested palm is very distinct. It's been described by some of my um, colleagues when we've been out working in the field as like rancid oatmeal. <laughs> So the top of the palm, once the weevil larvae have gotten in there and they've chewed up the palm heart, it is amazing to look into the top of that because they've basically excavated a bowl in the top of the palm. The palm is still drawing up a lot of water from the roots and the weevil adults and larvae are basically swimming in this soup of warm, smelly water that's full of chewed up palm fibers. And I am amazed that they don't drown. It's like a little swimming pool up there. And after the storms that come through wintertime, we often see, around this time of year, the tops of the palm trees dropping off because they've become detached from the trunk. And once we have lots of rain and wind events, they start toppling off the tops of the palms, which obviously is a significant hazard if you happen to be standing under it and about 300 pounds of cabbage, <laughs> cabbage fall, <laughs> falls on you. So some of the hiking trails get closed off because you can't go walking through these areas because palms tops of palm trees might fall on you. And so so these weevils are up there making these little weevil swimming pools. Mm. Um, how are they, I guess it's a question for Doug as well, how, how are they, uh, I'm assuming that most of their life, I, would they last a few months, their life cycle? Yeah. So they're getting ready for the next generation. Mm -hmm. How are they going to have their young in a swimming pool? Like Right, so when they get ready to move to the next stage... These insects are like butterflies. They undergo metamorphosis. So the larval stage will go through a pupil stage in a cocoon that it makes out of fibers. And to do that, it'll leave that swimming pool, move its way to the fronds that are still attached to the trunk. It'll drill a tunnel into those attached palm fronds, make itself a little chamber. Then that larva spins around in that chamber, grabbing palm fibers and wrapping those fibers very tightly around its body. And once it's shed its skin or molted, it moves into the adult stage. And then we were talking about those noses before that the weevils have. Well, at the end of those are a couple of little mandibles that are kind of like scissors. And they chew, snip a little hole at the end of the fibrous cocoon and they pop out. So now you have the adult. 
The adult has legs, it can walk, and it also has wings and it can fly. And it has gonads for reproducing. The larva, no legs, no wings, giant stomach. So it's an eating machine. The adults are the dispersing and reproductive phase of that insect. They look really different. You go from a grub to a beetle. It's really amazing. So if they have a really um, distinctive smell to them, mm. is that something you can use to stop them, the smell? Is, or is there some aspect of smell that you can use to stop these insects? Yeah, so not much, so much stopping them, but people have trained dogs to sniff out infested palms because the odor is so distinctive. But the problem is you need a cherry bucket lift to get your dog 60 feet up into the air to sniff the tree. So really the potential of using these odors is not so great using a dog. But one thing that I've been really interested in is the development of these artificial noses. And the idea would be that you'd put these artificial noses, which are electronic sensors, up in the tops of the palms. And then they would be communicating through the internet to some database, call it the Internet of Things, right? And then once they detect odors that are associated with weevils attacking the palm trees, because the odors are very distinct, that could send an alert that this particular palm tree that has this GPS coordinate in this particular part of town has been attacked by palm weevil. And it's also possible, I think, that you could program these artificial noses to detect the smell of the aggregation pheromones that these weevils release. This is a distinct chemical. It's unique to palm weevils that they use to call males and females to infested palms. Well, that's the, also the thing that we can turn against them um, because we can use that pheromone to set up traps for them. Yeah, that's right. So we can monitor them that way. You could do mass trapping. But one thing our lab's looking at now is something called attract and kill. So we've been working with a company in Riverside called Iscatech, and they can put the pheromone into like this waxy dollop, blob. It's an inert waxy material. So the pheromone's in there, which the weevils love. You know, they can't help themselves. They smell it and they want to fly to it to see what's going on. It's like their North Star. Yeah, like that. <clears throat> but in that dollop, it's a small amount of insecticide. So we just finished running some experiments where we set up a room, put a dollop in there with the insecticide and the pheromone, filled the room up with weevils, and then we put a video camera over the dollop, and we watched them. Yeah, they come running over the dollop, they pass over it a couple of times, there's nothing there to mate with, but now they've been dosed with the insecticide, and they die. <coughs> Takes about three seconds of contact, then they're dead. They enter the moribund phase, sitting on their backs with their legs twitching. Takes a few hours for them to finally die. Like a Far Side cartoon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so each one has to come in contact with the insecticide, or do they, they don't take it back to a nest or something? No, they don't take it back to a nest. But what our video studies also showed us, that if males pass across it, they get some on their bodies. And within the time it takes them to reach the moribund stage, sometimes they try mating with a female that has not walked across the dollop. They end up dosing her, and she dies. We call that horizontal transfer, where the insecticides pass from one weevil to another. So that was a surprising finding from the video studies that we were doing in that room. Oh, interesting. And at no point during that, you'll notice, is anyone spraying anything? We're not releasing any pesticides into the environment. It's all very passive. The insects pick the pesticide up and carry it themselves instead of us having to broadcast it, which is a pretty important kind of thing. 
Yeah, so Doug raises a really good point there because down in San Diego right now, if you want to protect your palm trees, it's all insecticide treatments. So the way to protect these trees with insecticides is that you get a company in, they'll have a high pressure sprayer. They're probably spraying insecticide 30, 40, 50, maybe 60 feet up into the air. That stuff is moving everywhere, this fine spray. You know, it covers the top of the palm, but it also drifts a long way. And then a follow-up treatment is that they start drenching the soil with insecticides, particularly these neonicotinoids. And people are familiar with this, with these types of materials now because they've been associated with the demise of bees. You know, the materials taken up by the plant, moves up through the trunk, accumulates in the feeding areas where the weevil larvae are, and they get poisoned that way. But in some crops, it looks like it may even move out into the nectar of the flowers. So if bees, for example, feed on that or other insects that need nectar or pollen for food, they may accidentally be poisoned. So those trees that people want to protect are being treated every three to four months in San Diego at a cost of maybe $300 a palm. Very and expensive. I think uh, um, Doug mentioned there's a danger of these... Um these weevils moving towards the Coachella Valley where they're, where they're growing dates. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it, it affecting the date industry. So if are yeah. they currently spraying for weevils in Coachella Valley? No, they're not because the weevils aren't in the valley yet. But the date industry has another handicap when it comes to this weevil. They have either no or very few registered insecticides that they could use to protect their palms from weevils. So that attract and kill study we were telling you about, where the weevils fly to the dollop, touch it and die, that is the reason we're running those studies in San Diego County now. We want to see if it works. And if it does work, should the weevil end up in the Coachella Valley, we've just saved the date growers years of work. We can tell them, yes, attract and kill works. This is the rate or the numbers of dollops you need to put out per acre to control the weevil. So we're proactively working on these management strategies now for the date growers. Because you can't, you can't spray the date trees with the insecticide because then you'll have poison dates. Well, that's right. And those insecticides aren't registered for use. So like the neonicotinoids, for example, which are very effective in San Diego against the palm weevil because they move up inside the tree and accumulate in the top of the palm, they're not registered for use in edible date palms. So the Coachella Valley date growing industry can't use those effective insecticides and they would probably end up with residues in our food too. That would need to be tested and I don't think that work has been done. Also, aren't neonicotinoids the type of chemical that people are talking about with respect to a bee holocaust? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we don't really want those out there. No, and we've got, you know, there's enough of the palm flowers that are in San Diego that are carrying those things. It's probably a, a little bit of an issue. I mean, we don't have a lot of the native pollinators that go to those plants, but there are still people who do keep bees in the area, and, you know, the honeybees will visit palm flowers when those... the I mean, if you've ever seen a palm tree in bloom, it's a, it's a big old bloom. I mean, it's this big thing that hangs off the tree, and it can attract a lot of bees because it'll produce a lot of um, pollen and nectar, and there will there'll be things that go to that. Um, most of the native things that'll go to that are actually beetles and flies rather than bees uh, for the most part, but they'll still be getting poisoned. And so it's not the greatest thing for the, the native ecosystem to have um, palm trees where the entire palm has turned toxic. Yeah, so there's another issue that we are encountering now with the possible overuse of these insecticides in San Diego County. 
And that's why I think this podcast is timely. I've had three reports beginning middle of December through now, which is early January, about palms dying that have been heavily dosed repeatedly with these neonicotinoid insecticides. And there's, I guess, an emerging concern now that because these same products are being used over and over and over again across so many palm trees in San Diego, the weevils may start developing resistance to these products. Oh, so it's like it's humans with antibiotic resistance. Yeah, that's right. So something that was once effective against the weevil, you've basically eliminated all the weaklings in the population and the strong ones that can handle the insecticide are going to do just fine. Lovely. Whereas the pheromones that bring them into the, the lurin kill type things, they have to respond to those pheromones. Their entire life cycle depends on being able to find their mates. So um, they'll never be able to turn that off. They're never going to become immune to their own pheromones. So that's a, that's a guaranteed thing. You will always have that option open um, for being able to attract them to their own pheromones. It's, there's no way around that. Is it possible they could develop a slightly different smelling pheromone? Who's going to be attracted to it? Not me. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, that's a difficult proposition to come with a mutant pheromone that's going to be attractive because there has to be a simultaneous mutation in the when the individual that receives that pheromone and then finds it attractive. So it's it's a you'd need two mutations one the individual that produces it and the other one the individual that smells it and is attracted to it and that's a very very unlikely kind of thing to happen I mean it does over evolutionary scales of time but we're not talking about that sort of scale of time here we're talking about something that would have to happen much much faster than that How and, long is an evolutionary scale of time uh, thousands to millions of years Okay well or just you know, millions of generations. So for, you know, for something like uh, a fruit fly, <laughs> an evolutionary scale of time can be, you know, the course of one semester's laboratory experiment. So Doug raises an interesting point. <clears throat> of the millions of weevils that are in San Diego now, if you had one male and one female that changed out of, say, millions, that's a minuscule fraction of the population, right? And what would be the chance of those two mutants actually finding each other? unless they were in the same tree. Then they'd have to overcome the massive background population that's already there for their mutant pheromone to become successful. And their offspring would have to have the same mutation and it would have to work the same way for them. Gotcha. So um, your buddy that first called you in 2010 from Tijuana, how are the weevils doing there now? Are they established? Oh, yeah, they're doing great. There's a few palm trees left in Tijuana now. <laughs> we were just down there in July cruising around having a look, and the devastation has been it's really impressive. So so once the palm weevils are established, like how difficult is it to get rid of them? Yeah, so that's a great question because when we eradicated the red-striped palm weevil from Indonesia that was in Laguna Beach, we jumped on that when the populations were really small and the area of infestation was small, you know. So they were two things that were in our advantage. Small, like just a few trees? A few trees in a relatively small area, maybe less than a square mile that had these infestations in it. Tiny. So we were able to like wrap that up, chop down the palm trees that were infested, apply insecticides to ones that we thought were infested, put out traps to catch the pheromone, uh, catch the weevil, because we knew what pheromone it had, 
because that's been studied. But now you look at San Diego, the vastness of the area, probably talking about thousands of square miles now, and probably millions of weevils. It's just it's a, it's a done deal. You just can't pull that type of infestation back all the way down to zero and drive them to extinction. Then you'd probably still have the problem of them flying in from Tijuana unless they were to run a management program too. So who's leading the fight against these things right now? Only me, it seems like. We're a one-man team trying to save the palms of Southern California. Well, as the as the one man, as the one man force. Well, uh, that's a that's a little egotistical. I mean, I do have some techs in LA. There's probably four of us working on it in total. It's one lab. Let's put it yeah, that way. One lab. Yeah. So, as the leader of a one lab force against the massive infestation, um, are is there anything you'd like people to know, particularly um, state agencies or growers alliances or other groups that? Um, you think they should know about the threat of this thing? Yeah, so I think the, the there's really three major areas that are being impacted by this pest. There's homeowners that have these magnificent palm trees in the infested areas, and people have a lot of sentimental attachment to these palms, and they're devastated when they die. So we, we're working with urban homeowners. Then we have a large industry in California of ornamental palm producers. These are the growers that grow up the palms and then sell them, so you can plant them in your garden. And then there's the date industry as well that we've discussed out in the Coachella Valley. And then I guess a minor component to that would be natural areas managers who are concerned about the native Washingtonia palm. So those are the four major groups that we are trying to come up with management solutions for. And the way we interact with our clientele is that we have a lot of meetings each year. I get invited to different types of talks, say like the San Diego Urban Forest Council, for example, where we talk about this pest and what we're doing to try and manage it. We've got web pages up on the on the insect, and uh, we do interviews like this, newspapers, television occasionally, and we try to publish articles in general readership magazines on what's going on. But the big issue is, how do you reach millions of people effectively? And keep hammering this message over and over and over again. And how long of a window do we have to reach millions of people? How how long, what time window do we have to take action before we're past the point where we can control it? Well, I think we're pretty much at that tipping point now. And any management program is going to be localized at this stage. And we'll have to, say, focus on one community within San Diego. Or once it's out in the Coachella Valley, for example... It'll be the focus of the date industry to manage that pest. Is it practical, do you think, Mark, um, to mass produce uh, large numbers of these traps that have the pheromone lures? Is it is it going to be a practical at some point to, to really blanket the areas that need protection with something like that? No, we'll never be able to pay for it. It'll be way too expensive in terms of buying the traps, loading them with the fermenting bait, buying the pheromone, then having a massive army of people to clear those and reset them every month. Yeah, so all control now will be highly focused and localised. So, for example, you know, we've had some interactions with Disneyland and San Diego Zoo. What are we going to do to protect our palms? So we've been trying to work with, you know, big touristy groups like that, where palm trees really define the landscape of those cultural institutions that are really important for Southern California. So I guess we got to wrap up here. Is there anything that farmers or individual people with palms 
uh, need to know or can do to help this situation? Yes, yeah, so the big thing that we have running right now where we need help from community scientists is that we don't know where the weevil is. There's no monitoring program throughout the state. So we're relying on people that find dead palm trees to report them to our website. and um, Which is? W, you can go to www.biocontrol.ucr.edu, type in palm weevil, it'll take you to our webpage, and then on the weevil, and then you can report an infested palm there, you can provide your contact details if you'd like follow-up information, upload photographs, GPS coordinates, and the street address. Dr. Hoddle, thank you for your time. I will not be eating oatmeal tomorrow for breakfast. <laughs> thanks, Jules. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, thanks. We are here to inform people about things in the world of insects and other arthropods that they don't already know, and in other cases, to let them know the truth in cases where they have been misinformed in the past. And if we can do that, then we think we are doing a good public service, and UC Riverside is very happy to engage in that sort of public service, and at the same time, entertain people. So we hope you find this entertaining. Music